eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. With me, Shay Dixon, on this Monday recapping what was a busy week uh, for LSU football uh, on the recruiting trail, especially with a decommitment, a quick flip, so to speak, um, for one of its commits. But mainly, uh, Shay, uh, a big camp at LSU this weekend as once again the Tigers welcomed a lot of skill position players a lot of offensive linemen and that's kind of what's going to dominate most of this segment uh, on the podcast but after the break we'll eventually get to uh, the five-star LSU commits and a couple of five-star targets showing out at the Under Armour Future 50 but let's lead off with camp and we'll award an MVP right now and uh, for for you, it's the easy call to make Emory Jones, the four-star Baton Rouge Catholic offensive lineman, the MVP from this weekend at LSU's camp. What stood out about Emory Jones and his game as he put together one of the better performances that you've seen in quite some time? Yeah, I mean, he had one of the better interior offensive line showings at camp that we've seen in, in years, and, and he'd have to go back a ways probably. And we're not shocked that it happened, right? I mean, he's all of 6'4". We have him listed at 330. He's probably trimmed down from that a good bit now. I bet he's in the 315, 320 range, but moves so well, doesn't carry much, if any, bad weight at all. And we've seen it on the football field for Catholic or state title winners. He was a starter and the best offensive lineman on that team. We saw it on the basketball court uh, where he played for Catholic High, a really good basketball program uh, here in the city and now we're getting to see it in the camp setting and he was absolutely dominant and look there weren't any five-star defensive linemen there for him to go against but he never lost a rep and and you don't often see that in one-on-one settings in camp which is often geared towards the defensive lineman having the advantage uh that was never the case uh this past weekend uh Emory Jones won every rep he's so strong in the lower body knows how to use his hands uh, I'm a big fan of him. I, I know you are as well. Uh, we're going to have rankings shuffling uh, in July, so that'll give us a chance to have seen a lot of guys in the spring, and then give all these guys across the country a chance to be seen at different camps on different college at different colleges or uh, different combine settings uh, over the month of June. But when those uh, new rankings are revealed, Billy, in July. Uh, I'm expecting, and, and we know know for sure that Emory Jones is going to rise. We'll see how far he goes. I'm not privy to every interior offensive lineman out there, but I do know Jones is among the best I've seen come through the LSU camp circuit in a while. Uh, I would imagine, as LSU continues to push for him, that they're only valuing him that much more after seeing him in person. 
yeah, if you haven't checked out the clips, go to go247.com. Shea posted them uh, from his time watching him. And I think when you look at him as far as a prospect goes, we mentioned already that he's a basketball player. You love that type of multi-sport profile in alignment. And uh, the biggest thing is he's not carrying that bad weight. Uh, he's got um, a great frame. He's an interior lineman. Uh, should be one of the the better ones, I think, that we've seen in the camp circuit this summer. Uh, and he's, you know, highly recruited. Uh, I mean, he he's wanted by everywhere in the country for the most part. Uh, the 24-7 sports crystal ball is on LSU. Like Shea said, we'll see how far he rises. And speaking of rising, one uh, rising junior who picked up an offer over the weekend uh, was Ricky Collins, the quarterback uh, in the 2023 recruiting class, had a big showing uh, and picked up that offer from LSU, a lot of people thought it could happen, uh, and he just really, you know, blew away the coaching staff and picked up an offer from the Tigers, uh, and and really, uh, that was a big, big offer for him. Obviously, uh, Jordan Matthews is his teammate uh, at Woodlawn in Baton Rouge, a four-star corner, um, but Ricky Collins checked in and, and had a big day and earned an offer because of it. Yeah, he was part of that seven-on-seven seven portion with the whole Woodlawn crew, and they're coached by a former LSU quarterback and Marcus Randall in his second year, uh, just had his second year with the program and uh, they were able to get into the playoffs. But uh, you look at what Ricky Collins did and, and he's pushing, you know, he's over six, three, pushing six, four, right at probably 190 pounds. And he's a guy who can throw the ball, but he also can use his legs. I mean, he went for right around 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns. I think they only played about five or six games uh, on the year, but even in their losses, I mean, they lost to a, state title winner and Catholic by seven points. They lost to East St. John in the playoffs in double overtime by a touchdown. Uh, and then they had some big wins kind of mixed in there, Dutchtown and some other teams. So as he goes into these final two years, he's got some big upside. I think he's up to nine offers now, but we were all waiting to see uh, when and if they would make this move on Ricky Collins as part of that 2023 quarterback class in Louisiana that continues to look stronger and stronger right now in the 24 seven composite, Billy, there's only 12 quarterbacks nationally ranked uh, on the composite for next year's class. Guys are about to be juniors. And again, this summer, they'll shuffle up a bit but and certainly expand beyond 12. But all three guys from Louisiana who now have LSU offers are in that 12. Ricky Collins is, obviously, Arch Manning's number one. And I think Eli Holstein over at Zachary is like seven or six, somewhere in that range. But uh, you're getting the sense now that not only does Louisiana have three really good quarterbacks, but nationally you're looking at, uh, even as the list expands, guys who are ranked as top 15, top 20 quarterbacks in the country. LSU's now offered all three of them. And Collins told a good story. You can read about this on the site where uh, he thought it came at the perfect time because, uh, as I said, he played that first year as a sophomore this past year. He started to get some offers as the spring went on, but uh, the floodgates are now opening with him being able to go work out in front of coaches. And he had a really good camp a week ago. Sonny thought he was one of uh, the better players at LSU's first camp. And then we see him come back and Jake Peets gave him a look at Orgeron was out there. Uh, DJ Mangus, a pass game coordinator was watching him. George Munoz, the lead analyst on offense who works a ton with quarterbacks, obviously uh, was there pretty much from start to finish watching him. Uh, and Colin said that he came off after one of their wins and he saw his mom and his granddad standing over there on the sidelines and they were standing with Coach O and Pete's and said that Coach O called him over and they were talking to the group. And he said, look, we don't even need to go to my office. I want to offer you your scholarship uh, right here on the spot. And uh, and for Ricky, obviously, uh, being a Baton Rouge kid, that was big time playing. Uh, he was out there. I mean, Marcus Randall's on the sideline, a guy who played quarterback uh, for the Tigers. So, so many different ties for him uh, around the city and the program. 
And, and I said it uh, over the weekend on the board. And, and look, we're two years away. I get it, Billy. But if you're making me guess right now or put odds on, hey, who's going to end up in this class if they get one of these Louisiana quarterbacks between Arch, Eli, and Ricky, uh, I'm circling Collins. And, and I'm not surprised that offer went out. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think it's a long shot if Arch, that Arch Manning ends up um, at LSU. Uh, Eli Holstein has some ties, but we know that he certainly didn't end up going to um, going to uh, play behind Walker Howard at at St. Thomas More. He transferred to Zachary, so there's that kind of hanging over that recruitment. Although I don't think it really affects it in a way. I just don't think he's going to end up at LSU. Ricky Collins seems like a good bet, like you said, and. Uh, and that wasn't the only offer that went out at camp in you know, 2023 offensive tackle Caden Jones out of De La Salle, another um, impressive program in the state of Louisiana, actually lost to St. Thomas Moore in the state championship. If I'm remembering correctly, he picked up an offer and he is just a massive human being. Uh, seems like a sure bet to be one of the more highly touted prospects in the state in the 2023 class. Now that he's blowing up and officially on the radar, we got asked about him a lot on the board and Brad Davis working that camp for the first time as an LSU coach, goes ahead and offers Caden Jones. Yeah, I mean, beyond, uh, well, I'll, I'll say for sure, in the 2023 class, Caden uh, was up there as one of the better-looking prospects out there, and he's definitely in that 6'6", 6'7", range. He's probably about 270 pounds, so he's a no-doubt tackle. And much like a Quincy Wiggins, who's been sort of the star of the month uh, on the defensive line, uh, coming out of Madison Prep and played for Coach Jones and those guys in the basketball court. Uh, and then going into his junior year, they said, hey, look, you need to suit up and play uh, some football, see how you look. And, you know, flash forward six months and uh, his stock is rising as quickly as any football players out there. Uh, Caden Jones gets a bit of a head start there. He got on the field for the first time this year as a sophomore after being on that De La Salle basketball team and, and still is. But uh, you're right. They what they went. 10, I think they were 10 and 0 actually going into that game, lost to Catholic. Uh, but he was one of the stalwarts on that offensive line. And he worked out at camp and he got beaten, you know, a couple of times. But you could Brad Davis was writing him, excuse me. Yeah, Brad Davis was writing him harder than anyone at the camp, telling him, look, here's where the technique is. I mean, teaching him. This is a kid who's picked up his first year of football and is still, you know, just leaving a sophomore year of high school. Uh, but even when you saw him, you know, make a misstep and get beat or whatever it might be. You just saw that nobody else out there looked like him. I mean, no one had that sort of size at tackle, and you know he's got some basketball background that can lend some athleticism. Uh, and as soon as the one-on-ones ended, they headed upstairs, and uh, and they made the offer. And Tulane had just come through as well. All of the other coaches uh, from around the state, ULM, ULL, uh, La Tech, they were all there. I won't be surprised to see them come through with some offers. So Caden uh, Jones, LSU, Gets in early there, right? Before any of the other out-of-state teams are really able to jump in the mix, LSU gets into campus and, and goes ahead and makes the offer for next year. So everyone had asked, uh, after this whole Will Campbell and Emory Jones group and Bo Borderline, what does next year's class look like on the offensive line? Caden Jones is that first guy to jump out and grab an offer. So quick work for Brad Davis uh, offering Caden Jones in the 2023 class. What did you take away from watching him um, work with his linemen and then we'll flip over uh, Taiji Hill, Sean Washington, uh, all worked out for LSU as well. What do you think of uh, Brad Davis, though, first and foremost? I mean, he got after it. He, he's out there a, a week ago. I guess that first LSU camp he could observe because he had just got, um, you know, announced that he was hired, but it wasn't official yet. Uh, they actually got everything pushed through this past week, so he was able to put on all the LSU gear and put on the whistle. And, he, I mean, boy, he was 
riding Emory Jones, riding uh, Caden Jones. It was sort of one thing after the another, I and mean, he did not let up. And I'll also note that Emory Jones, I was talking to his mom, said, look, we were just good. We had just went to Arkansas a week ago when the whole coaching change happened on our official visit because of Brad Davis. And we liked him enough and we thought that he deserved an official visit and Emory wanted to check out Arkansas. And lo and behold, as the world turns a week later, he's at LSU camp working out for Brad Davis as their line coach. And you could tell Ed Orgeron gave him the stage and let him go uh, in terms of coaching up the guys, setting everything up at the one-on-ones, picking out the battles he wanted to see. Uh, and he had his notepad out and was writing down sort of feverishly as they went, I'm sure notes on uh, both of the Joneses. So as we move forward, I think we're going to see more and more of what Brad Davis really brings. But we knew out of the gate that he was energetic, that Sam Pittman thought the world of him, who's an excellent O-line coach, has that background and pedigree uh, to where you know that Brad Davis is probably going to hit the ground running. And just talking to some people, Billy, around LSU's program, uh, they were pretty pumped about what they had saw from him just in the first few days of meeting with the current team and sort of lighting a fire under them and then hitting the camp and and being able to to work with guys like Emory and, and hand out a new offer. And, uh, and yeah, you mentioned on the other side uh, of the football, the defensive lineman, one LSU commit and one former LSU commit, Ty G. Hill uh, being the current one, uh, worked out with a, a big group from Edna Carr was there. And then obviously Sean Washington was once committed to LSU. He was there working out. I think I've heard too that he's going to end up going from Warren East into another smaller private school uh, as a senior, hoping to get his academics in order uh, so that he can go to a four-year college and, and skip the JUCO route. But with Washington, you know you get the size, right? I mean, he is a legit-looking defensive lineman. He looks like a college-ready guy, but he hasn't played a ton of football, really only one full year, and we'll see how much he can get in this season as a senior. Because of that, Ty G. Hill, I think, has a little bit of an edge in the rankings. I think he's got a little bit of an edge in LSU's mind because he's been a starter on Endicar's team, a state title team, since he was a freshman. And you see the moves. You know, he's got a nice spin move in his arsenal. He really likes the bull rush, but you won't see that in, you know, a camp setting without pads. So there are strides that I think Ty G. Hill needs to make. And I think his rankings reflect that. And, and we've seen him put in sort of an extra effort in terms of trying to lose some weight, trying to to maybe add a couple of more different uh, moves to his arsenal. But, you know, he was playing at a high level in high school. And from talking to people at LSU's camp, they see a handful of things in him that they think are really coachable to the next level. And if you can continue to build on this D-line class, I think that Ty G. Hill ends up, uh, you know, winds up in the class and, and signing with the Tigers. Yeah, that, that's going to be uh, an interesting group to watch. And we've talked about it. And I posted some defensive line tidbits on the board on Saturday morning to kick off that day. The defensive line could be one where it could be a complete in-state haul, could see some national names. It just kind of depends. They've had some interesting names like Hiro Kanu, uh, who's a top 247 prospect on campus, uh, being recruited heavily by Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. And then you've got um, – you know, guys like Anthony Lucas, who they've just recently jumped in the mix for another top 247 prospect. Uh, they're trying to get him on campus for an unofficial visit. So they're shooting for some of the big names. And we'll talk about one of them on the other side of this break from the Go 247 po- podcast in Walter Nolan. Um, but the defensive line and, and especially the defensive tackle position could be one of the more interesting uh, positions to follow in the 2022 class as it pertains to LSU. But anyway, Shay, we are going to take a quick break. 
from the Go 24-7 podcast. On the other side of this break, we're going to come back with a future 50 recap. And it was very LSU heavy in terms of news, notes, and top performers. So we will catch you up on that on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. A quick reminder, guys, to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and follow the Go 24-7 podcast wherever you guys check out your podcast at. Shay, uh, the Future 50 was this weekend. 24-7 had it covered. Uh, certainly. Uh, a big time opportunity for some of these LSU commits that were there to shine. They did just that. Let's lead off with Will Campbell, who had probably one of the biggest days out of anyone at the camp. Um, and in part because he had so many marquee matchups. I mean, Lebius Overton, the number one defensive or the number one prospect overall in 2023, Walter Nolan, a five star defensive tackle. He went against everyone and he fared pretty well, earning. Uh, offensive line MVP. So let's start there. He's somebody that I think is going to end up being on the rise. I've said it since uh, I got a chance to watch him against Westgate in the playoffs. And obviously he's got the notoriety being a composite five-star, but I just get the feeling that watching him in this camp setting geared towards the elite guys after facing off against Quincy Wiggins and after facing the competition that he fared uh, faced at the future 50, um, he's a stock up guy coming out of the weekend. Yeah, and he looks like a bona fide five star. We heard what Wilt Bong and Ivins and Biggins and Huffman were all there, and and all of them sort of consensus opinion was he was no doubt the best O lineman, and nobody that wasn't Walter Nolan, a five star and top player in the country on the D line, was able to beat him. And he's got the size, he's got the experience. He plays at Neville, which is one of the best programs. He's a He's as big of an impact signee on the offensive line as they've had since Lael Collins. I think if you're looking at prospect to what they did on the field and unlike Collins, I don't think you even need to put him inside to start things out. I mean, he's a left tackle for me, at least day one. I don't know if he'll be an instant starter, but boy, I'll tell you that Brad Davis is going to be pushing as hard as he can uh, to get Will Campbell ready because at the high school level, uh, nobody's touching him. Not a surprise to hear that he shined, but Good to hear for LSU fans because Louisiana doesn't always put out a lead offensive lineman. To be able to have Emory Jones and Will Campbell both in in state in this cycle uh, makes this the best kind of one-two punch if you're doing OT and interior offensive line that the state's had since probably Lael Collins and Trey Turner, which was the 2011 class. And, and both those guys obviously have been NFL starters since they got into the league. 
Yeah, a, tr- a tremendous showing, tremendous spring, summer for for Will Campbell that he's off to. And same for Walker Howard, going to the Elite 11 finals later this month in L.A. Um, he's coming off another strong performance, earning court, top quarterback uh, honors at the camp. I mean, this just kind of continues to be the theme for Walker Howard. I mean, this dates back to before he even took his first start at St. Thomas Moore, that underclassman combine. He ripped it up. Um, and and we ref- reflected that in his ranking, you know, ranking him as a four-star quarterback before he took a snap as a junior. He went out there and did what we all expect him to do. And look, he's also been recruiting for the Tigers as well. He was out there um, certainly trying to convince uh, Evan Stewart, the five-star wideout, who we'll talk about in a second, to join him at LSU. And Shaz Preston as well, the number one receiver in the state of Louisiana, was out there. So a big day, not only for Walker Howard throwing the football, but recruiting for the Tigers as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Same, no surprise like Campbell uh, that Howard is out there shining. And I thought that one thing that stood out to me and right away this past weekend when uh, I was at LSU camp, I got a text uh, from Andrew Ivins, who's watching the quarterbacks at the time. And he said that, look, uh, in this seven on seven here at Future 50, all these quarterbacks are dinking and dunking and playing it safe and Walker Howard might make a mistake here and there, might miss a throw here and there, but he's the only one willing to go downfield, just a true gunslinger mentality. And uh, I think that as they noted, and I've been just saying it almost in the way of not only is this kid really good, but dang, they just got Garrett Nussmeyer, Max Johnson looks great. And now you're moving into uh, that 2023 class, like we just noted uh, in the first segment, that's got Arch and Eli and Ricky Collins and and he said LSU's probably not been set up that well at quarterback in a while. And, and obviously the answer is no doubt. So Howard, huge to have him on board. And and look, we know this, Billy, but uh, we can't say it enough. You didn't wait around to have to get Howard and Campbell on board. And they are the one, two, number one, number two. And Jacoby Matthews, the number three players in the state. Let me lump him, him into this conversation to my point is none of those guys were signing day. None of those guys needed to go in the fall. None of those guys even needed to go into the summer before their senior year, before they said, Hey, LSU, I'm in. And because of that, they've spearheaded the recruiting. So that trio is the cornerstone of your class, no doubt in terms of the impact they'll make, uh, but also in terms of the impact they can make setting up, uh, you know, the class, helping build the class. uh, Because a lot of these kids who are uh, in Louisiana and even into Texas and some other States, uh, are good buddies with those guys, know them from the camp circuits, hang out with them at places like Future 50, and and all of that bodes really well for LSU. Right, and I think kind of moving over to those wide receivers I mentioned, you look at Chaz Preston, I think he's really starting to trend towards LSU. Uh, this is a recruitment that they've been working uh, for a while. And Evan Stewart, don't be surprised to see him pop up at LSU at some point this summer. Uh, he's somebody that out of the Dallas area, uh, could end up making a trek down to Baton Rouge to check it out. Garrett Nussmeyer's former seven on seven teammates with him. He's been pushing. So both of those receivers, I mean, if you get those two on board, that would be that would take this wide receiver class uh, from a good level to an elite level, in my opinion. And after having one of the best ones uh, in the entire country um, last cycle, that would really solidify everything for the future. So uh, I've got my eye on those two um, and we could see Shaz Preston pop up to LSU once again, maybe for camp this week, we'll have to track that. Um, But I do think for LSU, both of those guys are in a good spot. I think one to be kind of a 
dark horse nationally in a way for Evan Stewart, who told Steve Wiltfong that Florida is certainly high on his list after the visit. Texas is heavily in the mix. Um, Brandon Drum at our OU site has mentioned that the Sooners are at least going to try to start pushing for Evan Stewart a little late in the game, but um, Alabama's in the mix heavily for him as well. So um, Evan Stewart, watch for him to see if he gets to LSU's campus. Shaz Preston uh, wouldn't shock me if he came for one of the days, even just to hang out for the for the Rising Stars camp this week, um, you know, to, to round out uh, his month of June. But Shay, let's finish up uh, in a way with this. Walter Nolan has set an LSU official visit date. The five-star defensive lineman, top five overall prospect, is set to check out campus uh, the last weekend in June, just after a trip to Michigan. This is big for, for LSU to get him on campus, but uh, still kind of a long way to go. And this one, it seems like, and LSU doesn't really have a ton of confidence. But again, getting that official visit is at least a chance for them to start chipping away here. Golly, yeah, you're right. I was thinking that when you mentioned if they could add, and this is a big if, but if you can add Preston and Evan Stewart, who's Stewart, uh, after Future 50, they thought could press for number one overall receiver in the country when it's all said and done, putting him onto that level of the radar, uh, that yes, it would rival certainly last year's class, but boy, then you think that Aaron Anderson is thought of as one of the best receivers in the state, that uh, Dakotas Crawford's coming off a huge LSU camp uh, a week ago going into his senior year. You've got A.J. Johnson in the boat. In two years, that would be around 10 receivers or so all of which that, you know, or the majority, even eight, nine of them could be guys who are ranked inside the top 200. So it would be a pretty impressive flip of of the overall roster and room for Mickey Joseph. We'll see where it goes. But when I think Mickey Joseph, I think New Orleans recruiting. When I think New Orleans recruiting this cycle, I think of guys like Shaz Preston. And uh, they got Savion Jones out of St. James a year ago on the D-line. I still think that they're going to come away as the winners on Shaz Preston, uh, Shaz Preston's recruitment, despite uh, him sort of taking a wave of visits all over the country right now, including out to Southern Cal. I just think ultimately the chance to come in, play at LSU, play with guys like Walker Howard and and the rest of this 2020 class is is really appealing to him. And they loved him this weekend. They, I mean, his body control, his hands, his ability to to really just use his physical presence to, to win and, and win each rep, uh, I think stood out to those guys. And we've seen that from Shaz time and again. And, and Billy, it's going to be a fun debate because you throw out Shaz, you throw out a guy like Aaron Anderson, you kind of push Kendrick Law into that group as, as someone who's ultimately going to play on the offensive side of the ball and, and be an athlete at the receiver spot. And I think you can make arguments all around for who maybe is the best receiver in the state right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think this receiver class for LSU will maybe see some shuffling if they do get the likes of Shaz Preston and Everett Stewart, but a long way to go. I just have a tough time seeing them uh, signing five once again. So we'll continue to monitor that on that front. Um, but now you got Walter Nolan, uh, who's certainly ready to take his official visit to LSU. And speaking of an official visit, there was kind of a noteworthy piece of news that came out of the weekend, and that was Marcus Scott. Uh, not even decommitting from LSU, just ending up at Missouri. Uh, this is, a, I think, a sign that LSU kind of had an honest conversation with him after his camp. Um, Sonny was on the podcast last week, didn't really you know, glow too much about his performance. Uh, so LSU's class now at 11 commitments, still the number two class in the country, very, very good spot to be in, uh, and now has an extra spot to maybe use it somewhere else or uh, on another defensive back. 
Yeah, and this was an, a major surprise, right, about Marcus Scott. We knew that, and this is what makes camp evals so, so important, and the ability to have this, which they did in a year ago. We saw Lucas Taylor come in and camp, and then he committed to Mississippi State uh, in the week that followed, and, and now we've seen the same with Marcus Scott to Missouri. And as you noted, look, they've got the number two class in the country, number one in the SEC. They're down to 11 commits, and that's a lot of breathing room. I mean, you've gotten a lot of your big names, especially in-state, in the boat, obviously a ton more to focus on. Emory Jones, Quincy Wiggins, and Jamon Tapp, and down the line, Kendrick Law, Shaz Preston. Uh, there's a range of about 10 to, to 12 guys that I think they're still really looking at, but you've got 14 spots left, and you've still got some big targets around the country. As you noted when we talked wide receivers, that list could trim up some uh, just because you're looking at it and seeing three guys already. Uh, I'm curious kind of how uh, they approach things the rest of the way. Do they continue to to maybe put the the foot on the gas here and try to keep running up commits, or uh, do they follow the script of really the opening of of camp uh, season where they trimmed back and really made sure that uh, they kind of reshuffled their board before moving forward? And, and how long do they go with that approach? But uh, I think that a great start, right, for Orgeron and them going into the open contact period is when you weren't able to see recruits in person, when you weren't able to go out and visit them and, and eval them and bring them to campus and hang out with them and their parents, what were you going to be able to build and, and up to when you were able to do all that with the open contact period? And now we've seen them in, in quick order here within two or three, you know, at 14 days of the open contact period that they've trimmed down the commit list by a couple of guys. They've gotten a lot of notable guys to camp. We're seeing a lot of their guys who are on the high end of their commit list perform really well over the summer in different camp settings. So everything is looking really solid in terms of that base they have of 11 guys. And, and so far beyond Le'Veon Moss, we haven't seen any uh, guys pop and head outside the state to any teams of note. So I'd be, I'd be excited if I were an LSU fan, this is kind of the spot you want to be in. You haven't put, uh, all of your eggs into any certain basket. You aren't sitting on 18 commits wondering how you're going to fit guys in. You're sort of just lying in the weeds, but not so much as the number two class in the country, but at least being able to know, hey, look, these are maybe the 20, 30 guys we love. Let's make them the priority moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's the name of the game for LSU is to be in a good spot with options. I think sometimes in the past they've you know, maybe let some of these commits stick around a little bit longer than maybe they should. Um, this year, a quick, you know, trimming of the guys that, you know, they evaluated and said, you know what, time to move on and and start pressing uh, for those spots to be used elsewhere. So they've got a lot of in-state guys to go after. Like you said, Shay, we'll get a look at plenty more prospects later this week. We'll all be on hand for the Rising Stars Elite Camp. So be sure to use uh, this week as a chance to subscribe to go247.com for just a dollar for your first month uh, and get that access on the VIP message board and the articles for all the camp scoop we'll have from the two-day camp on Thursday and Friday. Um, and we'll be uh, sure to bring you all the latest on the official visitors set to hit campus as well. So for Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody wrapping up this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. We'll catch you later this week with a camp recap. And uh, again, the latest on LSU's official visits and how those go as well. So we'll catch you next time and hope everybody has a great week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.